0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Gathering Ground. This time on Gathering Ground, we are pleased to welcome Tony Alvarado Rivera, Executive Director of Chicago Freedom School, and Keisha Farmer Smith, a founding board member, recently the interim executive director, and just a longtime supporter of Chicago Freedom School. Please welcome Tony and Keisha. Hi, Tony. Hey, Keisha. Hi.
1: Hi. I'm assuming there's a. <laughs> over soundtrack over, that's right.
0: So. Party time, for CFS. <laughs> you know, this is gonna be a different uh, podcast, I can tell right now. So um welcome to Gathering Ground. Um, you know, we always like to start our podcast with a little background on on our guest. And I'd love to know, um, and I'm gonna start with you, Keisha. Tell us how you really uh, a little bit about your background and your work in particular with young people.
2: Yes. Um I was a young person doing youth development work. I've always been in love with youth development work. Mm-hmm. And um, I I ironically first heard about the Chicago Freedom School from the young people that I served mm-hmm. um, in a program on the north side at a different nonprofit. And those young women had seen some flyers. Mm-hmm. There were some young people, uh, Kevin Brown, Daisy Zamora, mm-hmm. um, Uh, Miriam Kaba and others working with the Girls Best Friend Foundation to do a survey. And this youth survey asked young people what was missing from after-school programs. Mm -hmm. And that's how I came in contact with the Chicago Freedom School. Um, I attended the uh, steering committee meetings, uh, got active with collecting the survey data with young women from Girl World. And um, as long as they became involved in it, I was gonna get involved in it. And I just fell in love with it from there. So I came to youth work as a youth. And really, to be honest with you, my heart has never left it. Mm -hmm. I've always had a heart in youth development work.
0: Wonderful. And Tony, how did you come to this career at Chicago Freedom School?
1: Yes, well, similar to uh, Keisha, I also was a young person uh, working with young people at my time in at About Face Youth Theater here in Chicago. And at that time, you know, we didn't know about positive youth development and what that looked like, especially in like a queer context. Uh, I, you know, we had Brian Goodman, who was a great mentor to me, Megan Carney, who um, worked with us in and tried to support us, knowing that. As queer trans young people, we needed a safe space to exist and be. And I think they modeled just creating a space for open dialogue, for listening to young people, uh, for really trying to take uh, what we what we shared out into the world um, and being uh, you know an ally or build solidarity with us. And I think for me that was important to see um, and want to bring to to my work. And so when I uh, finished my tenure at a place called uh, the Broadway Youth Center uh, here in Chicago, working with young people experiencing homelessness who are marginally housed, who were LGBT identified. I, I was hired to develop and coordinate a mentor program that connected LGBT youth with LGBT adults. And after that, my grant ended, you know, as so many uh, folks in the nonprofit world can, ex- you know, feel that I'm just like, oh, what's next, like what's happening next? And, um, and I wanted to be able to come to a place where my politics and my frameworks were also uh valued and used right so for me it was an anti-oppression framework a transformative justice framework and a healing justice framework that allowed me to understand like oh i need to be at cfs i want to work at cfs Uh, and when the opportunity came in 2012 they were hiring a coordinator of youth programs Mm -hmm. Um, and I was interviewed by young people um, and then interviewed by other staff and was, you know, selected as the coordinator of programs. And that's um, prior to that. I was doing uh, workshops with young people on uh, LGBT 101 or identity, power and oppression workshops. And you know, at that time, I'm you know uh, queer and uh, what young folks now call non-binary, but I would identify as gender queer. So I would come with earrings and sometimes dresses and different looks. Um, and young people were just curious, and then we would talk about intersectionality, talk about um, building solidarity. Um, and it was just a, I knew that it was a beautiful, radical place for young people, and a place where I always coming in. Uh, was a curiosity, but always felt love and acceptance. Uh, so that's how I got here. My goodness! Oh my goodness!
0: Well, you know, and I just feel I have to say this, just in terms of full disclosure, that um, I have known you since
1: 1998. Wow! Yes. yes. Imagine I was what 1920. And I was
0: like a couple years older than you. It's amazing. Yes. <laughs>
1: and oh, and. Oh, Keisha, why are you laughing? I don't understand why <laughs> I mean, you
0: almost, oh, my goodness. A, a
1: couple of um, years older and still, and still the same fierceness as listen, today. Exactly. You imagine?
0: exactly. That's right. But we met during, um, we were putting together a coalition that we thought would just be a coalition, right? The Coalition for Educational Sexual Orientation, which later evolved into the Illinois Safe Schools Alliance. And of mm-hmm. course, is now a program of the Public Health Institute of Metropolitan Chicago. And we're going to, a little bit later in, in, in this uh, podcast, we're gonna hear from the president and CEO of the Institute. Um, and I also have to acknowledge that I have uh, worked with Keisha and and uh, known her, what she just told me for 15 years. Um, and, and Keisha is now and has been uh, since 2009, part of Morton Group. Um, uh, she is our research director and a senior consultant. So I just wanna you know have some disclosure there that we do have some other, um, you know, contacts and relationships here uh, as we have this conversation. So tell me about Chicago Freedom School. Tell our listeners about Chicago Freedom School, because, as you know, many people think that it is a traditional school when they hear the name. Yes. Um, And so let's let's talk about the work of Chicago Freedom School.
2: So um, I would first start off by leading with the very unique way that the Chicago Freedom School got started. The Freedom School started off in a very unique way with young people really helping to drive the development of it co-equally with adults and it remains that way. And back in 2007, we only had one program and that program was the Freedom Fellowship Program where young people uh, came together to learn about civil rights, organizing, movement building, before thinking about what types of change they wanted to see in their own communities and neighborhood. Our job as adults was to support and facilitate their ideas and experiences. So I just wanted to start off with that. And Tony?
1: So Chicago Freedom School builds intergenerational partnerships and facilitates programming for young people of color while offering trainings to individuals and organizations committed to movement building. So as Keisha was mentioning, we're rooted in the legacies of justice and liberation and uh, the frameworks of an anti-oppression framework, transformative justice framework and healing justice frameworks. So while we do have the name school, in you know with us um we're not a traditional school where you know we don't do reading writing and arithmetic the school comes from the 1964 mississippi freedom summer in which they created these freedom schools where um you know uh folks can again learn well learn about reading writing and arithmetic but also learn about organizing what their community needs what the community wants and how do you do uh bo- bottom up organizing to get uh your needs met so it was It was about organizing. And for us, we carry that with us. Uh, And as SNCC uh, celebrates its 60th anniversary, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee uh, were rooted in Black liberation, in civic engagement, um, and being able to bring pedagogy of organizing to young people. Uh, So uh, a lot of our work at Chicago Freedom School, it starts with the flagship program, the Freedom Fellowship. So imagine a space where we bring together 25 young folks of color from across the city, in Chicago, from the north side, but primarily from the south side, the west side, and the southwest sides, in a city where we're often, you know, we're so segregated that um, a young Black person could never really engage with a young Brown person in a real way, or a cisgender young person build with someone who's trans or gender variant, um, and for young people to come together and not just learn about themselves, um, but really think about how do we move beyond equality and how do we work and organize and fight for liberation? And that is why is it important for me to build solidarity with folks um, who have a disability or folks who are marginalized, right? Folks um, who are trans and being able to think about why their liberation is tied to our liberation and why we need to come together uh, to organize and fight. And so that's our, you know, what we do in the summer and young people uh, share their experiences. We learn about other communities, what they love about their, themselves, about their spaces, about their homes and what world they wanna envision and create together.
2: So one of the things that I love about the Freedom School that I want to make sure Tony gets to mention is the way it organically evolves and works. So because uh, youth were involved at the very beginning Mm -hmm. and because youth continue to this very day to be a part of the governance of the organization, as young people matriculated through the uh, Freedom Fellowship Program, they became interested in other things. They became interested in looking at reproductive health issues. They became interested in learning about the role of evaluation. So um, I just want to invite Tony to also talk a little bit about
0: some of the offshoot programs. So that, that sounds great. And let's talk about the programming. We're going to come back to a little bit about the programming. But I want to make sure that we can talk about what happened this a summer ago now. Actually, it wasn't this past summer. It was a summer ago because it appears to me that you had real life opportunity with your young people to literally take it to the streets, right? Right. And and to talk about organizing. Can you talk about um, how Chicago Freedom School was involved in the uh, racial reckoning uh, that occurred here during last summer? So
2: one of the biggest struggles, uh, Mary, last summer, uh, had to do with the reality of attempting to run the Freedom School and run programming during COVID and doing it in a safe way. So young people were not only contending with the racial strife with the social tensions that you alluded to earlier, but they were also dealing with um, being scared, um, having the social distance not knowing exactly how the virus was spread because of misinformation. And so the Freedom School, in partnership with several other organizations, including the Illinois Caucus for Adolescent Health, um, set out to support young people through that education, uh, providing face masks, getting people hand sanitizers. And one thing that is extraordinarily powerful and resilient is that even as we were trying to make sure some young people needed groceries, they did not have groceries. They were asking, what can we do to speak out about what we see happening? What can we do about, this is unfair what has happened with George Floyd. Mm-hmm. This is horrible what has happened to Miss Brianna Taylor, who was a, a young woman who was a paramedic and serving her community. And so once again, young people thought beyond their own situation and they wanted to organize and they wanted to support rally work and uh, Tony. And what was the name of the team?
1: Oh, the collective care team. Yeah. So With the murder of George Floyd, young people were tired, fed up of the injustices that exist for uh, black people being murdered by the police and the state. And uh, here when the uprising came to Chicago, we had young people um, attending a rally at the Federal Plaza here in downtown Chicago. And the young person, Essence Jade, um, needed a place for her and her friends to go that was a safe place in the area where they can convene, get you know food, charge their cell phones, and just a place to, to breathe and to process. So CFS opened up and then as the sun came down, we started to see an escalation of police out in the streets that clashed with uh, protesters. A lot of those protesters were also young people who were angered and took to the streets. And for us in our location, strategically being downtown, we were able to, as the sun went down, our city closed, um, lifted the bridges, closed public transportation, Basically, kettling young people downtown without access to get out. Uh, Essence Jade, a youth organizer with Chicago Freedom School, sent out a tweet saying CFS is a safe place for young people to come, get food, um, get shelter, and get a ride home. And that tweet went viral. Folks like um, an artist named No Name. Uh, sent it out we had city officials sending it out and as soon as you knew we had you know dozens and dozens of young people coming to our doors and not only were they coming to our doors we were seeing young people who were beat up by the cops, who were bleeding, who were um, pepper sprayed and were shocked as to what was happening. So for us, we've always opened our space in times of protests, in times of healing. So it was no different for us to do it now. And I think that we were set Uh, You know, we were ready. The young people that we work with and organize were here in a matter of hours. We were able to build a team of young folks and um, co-conspirators of adults to support young people in this time of intense need. And um, honestly, um, a frightful, it was a frightful time.
0: Tony, what are some of the lessons that you, the staff, your board, and the young people learned from this past summer?
1: Yeah. I think first, um, it was in this time of of anger, of rage, of fear, the young people that we work with were able to uh, find their center and really show the work that they've been doing for the past few years at Chicago Freedom School, which is being able to support and hold young people in this time of chaos um, and uh, marginalization and oppression. And we were able to also come together as a collective and really understand what were the needs of young people and mobilize towards their needs and be ready for that work. Whether that be n- not just because of COVID and needing PPE support, um, needing uh, food, but also being able to create a space where they can heal, they can process, and they can receive the tools to organize. And for us at that time, we were able to bring in, hire uh, 15 young people Uh, to support that work and mobilize quickly, right? Um, And also, we were able to just as a board, I think for us, it helped that they understood that staff and young people knew the needs of their community and were able to jump in, not just by being in the front lines with young people, which is To me almost unheard of that our board members were out there with young people to support and care for them. But number two, be able to understand with uh, because of, you know, an influx of donations from community from not just Chicago but across the country, uh, we were able to then use funds to support mutual aid efforts, to make sure that we were funneling money to our organizing efforts. And they understood that we knew what our communities were needing and we needed to mobilize in these ways. uh, And for us, I think as our, our it showed that our board is values-based and understood our work. For me, I think, you know, it was being able to, again, listen to young people. I came in as the executive director during COVID, during these uprisings, and it was uh, important for me to hold young people in what they needed, support them, um, not just in the front lines, but here you know, at CFS with the needs of, uh, of our communities, um, and be able to model that leadership. And for me, it's being able to carry that through Um, and share those lessons with young people, um, with other executive directors of being able to really um, practice the values that we talk about.
2: I couldn't agree more with Tony. Um, During that opportunity, there was a lot of chaos and pressure, but it was also time for action. And there was so much powerful energy being shared it's such a, a wonderful thing to see young people, some of whom experience crisis themselves, some of whom experience challenges themselves, looking beyond to say, what does this city need right now? What do young people need right now? And um, from marching with the uh, CARE Action Team that the Freedom School youth developed to doing Cash App. I had never heard of Cash App until I came to the Freedom School. Young people were the donors, donating $5, donating $2 to help support the mutual aid efforts that Tony mentioned. Not only did 15 youth get hired to help supply PPE and other supplies, there were youth hired as the Freedom School doubled in size. So the entire third floor became this one-stop shop. If you needed PPE, if you needed healthy snacks, water, first aid, and even some basic clothing and and hygiene products were held downstairs as a free resource for young people that accessed it uh, throughout the city. And uh, one of the most uh, powerful and positive examples that I got to see was the way that uh, food security was supported during this time. Um, Some of our funders found restaurants. um, One of them was the MacArthur MacArthur Foundation, Sonia Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, Matthew. And um, they found restaurants who were willing to donate um, healthy cooked meals to neighborhoods on the South and the West uh, side of the city. And several organizations got involved with that effort to make sure families were getting food during this time. Um, So I was just honored and amazed by the young people decisively activating what they had learned at the Freedom School.
0: That sounds extraordinary. And of course, um, we wanna keep that momentum going, right? We don't want it to be sort of here and today and gone tomorrow talk a little bit now about the programs the ongoing work mm-hmm. of the Chicago Freedom School and how it has meshed with this extraordinary um, organizing effort of, of last summer
1: yeah well for us um, being able to to grow at Chicago Freedom School has allowed us to become the political hub that we've been wanting to for young people where they can come and receive um, one you know community basic care needs, but also tools for organizing. For us, with, you know, from the Freedom Fellowship, we don't believe in hoarding youth leadership. We want the young folks that we work with to go out into their schools and into their communities and have a seat at the table or break down the table and make something new. But well, we also know that young people want to continue um, you know, their experience here at Chicago Freedom School, where they tell us they're able to um, build with adults who actually care. They're able to um, learn from each other and their peers because we hire young people who facilitate and share that information. Um, and they want to do more at CFS. We have a youth participatory evaluation team uh, that evaluates our work. And from that, we've been able to build our programs on uh, Project helas that brings together 15 young practitioners uh, to learn about and be practitioners in the reproductive justice field. We have North Star, which is a program that uh, brings young people uh, to learn about trauma-informed care and healing-centered approaches and become consultants of CFS to train and facilitate that work out into the community. So in all of our work, we are able to pay young people um, for their participation, um, for their skills, and be able to say, hey, you've gained so many skills, it's important for you to make sure that you know your value and your worth and get paid for that work. Uh, So for us, our work continues as we enter our 15th anniversary and making sure that we remain rooted in our values and in our frameworks uh, and be able to now think about what is it that young people want for the next 15 years. So uh, we'll be entering into a strategic plan that includes young people, uh, members of our youth leadership board who also uh, have leadership in the governance of youth programs to be able to say, hey, this is what we need. This is what we want wonderful. Let's think about how we can make that happen. Um, So for us, it's being able to use this opportunity um, to leverage the excitement and the joy that young people have been bringing into the movement, despite the rage, despite the harm and the traumas. We saw young people who work with young people who still laugh, who are still blasting the music and twerking, who are still like radiating brilliance and power. And for us, it's being able to understand that we have you know multiple facets and we can use this opportunity to strengthen Chicago Freedom School with the voice and power of young people and move into our 15th anniversary
0: that's wonderful so young people are still finding joy they're still hopeful and that is you know that means so much to me i often think when, you know about the work that we do at morton group that if i didn't think we were in some way helping you know make the world a better place Really you know couldn't continue to do the work, and it's wonderful to hear that throughout it all young people are still hopeful. Tell us a little bit about some of the mechanics of uh, Chicago Freedom School, meaning that you have really grown operationally, and as I recall you have a you have a wellness staff person, which I think is a unique position and really important, and I think underscores why we must really push forward on on self-care, on mental health care, um, yeah. and to have a position that has that in the title, I think says it in a way that that uh, is often not seen. So talk a little bit about that.
1: Yes, yeah, so I'm so thankful to work with Jacqueline Hamilton, who's our Director of Wellness, Culture, and Action. Um, and what that means at Chicago Freedom School is oftentimes healing justice is the framework that we talk about um, but don't understand what it looks like in practice or how we're engaging with healing justice. So for us, yes, we give young people, every program has a healing retreat, a healing component. Um, you know, all of our, our work is thinking holistically with young people. So this year because of uh, you know uh, the Julian Grace Foundation, we've been able to offer free therapy sessions, eight to ten therapy sessions to young people who have been on the front lines and who are doing organizing work. And the importance of being able to have a director of wellness culture in action is to help us remember that, We are a values-based organization. What does it look like for us to implement these frameworks, not just with young people, but in our policies, with our board, with our staff? So being able to have systems, if uh, we need to have a community accountability process, if someone says something that is anti-black or misogynistic, how do we deal with those issues, right? How do we come together and circle? Uh, So being able to also understand Um, bring in movement history, right? So we're not recreating the wheel, right? We have a legacy of especially young people who have organized um, and brought about change. So how do we make sure that we continue to honor our ancestors, honor those folks who have been able to give us the tools to implement change in our communities? So for us, it's really important that we take steps to about especially as chicago freedom school scales up how do we do that in a way that continues to be rooted in our frameworks and in our values um and in the history right being able to have folks like keisha or uh, mia henry our founding director or Miriam kaba engaged in our work and in our conversations and say hey this is what we're doing and this is what we're excited about um and being able to create a space where young people can model and see how we are practicing wellness in our space so that our organization can continue to thrive.
0: That's wonderful. Um, what The last question I wanna ask you before we have a, a, a short break and we'll welcome our, our third guest, uh, Karen Rattan, is how has the work changed? And I'll start with you, Keisha, from when you started mm. several years ago to what you see happening now. How have you seen young people come into their own? And how have you seen structures that are, you know, traditionally somewhat oppressive adapt, if you will, to how young people have changed? What What are the changes that you've seen during the course of, you know, over many years of your work?
2: I think that's such a powerful question. And um, one thing that I have noticed and have loved to see over the years is the way that young people who were in uh, more traditional structured after school and youth development programs have now come into leading organizations that look thoughtfully intergenerationally and intersectionally at youth work. And instead of working for youth, we work with youth. I think that the the change in words is simple but powerful. Um, instead of designing a program that a young person receives, instead of banking that information into them, um, they are now transforming, designing, speaking truth to power in the work as the originators of the work. Um, to me, it is a uh, popular education Chicago style and I love to see it. So that has been one of the biggest changes that I've seen. Um, young people that I've worked with since the 90s have always been resilient and bright and energetic. It's the adults that needed to shift and change. And sit down and open our ears and listen to. And so really, um, it isn't what I've learned about young people is what I've learned about myself, and how I've attempted to be a better supportive adult in this work. And um, young people know what they need. We need to figure out how to hear them and then how to take a step to support them while not taking control of the process. And so that's one of the things I love about the Chicago Freedom School, because that is something that we attempt to do in every program at
0: every level. Wonderful. Anything you, you wanna to add to that, Tony?
1: Ooh, these youth are fire they are unapologetic, they are bold, they are powerful, and they know that. And we need that now more than ever. And we welcome young folks, right? We work with young folks who Mm -hmm. are curious and don't fully understand maybe full systems of what's happening. And then we work with folks who are just out in these streets making change. And for us, it's being able to support and capture and love every single one of them, and know that none of them are indisposable. They are here because we want them here, and we want to be able to support their growth and and trust that they will tell you if you are um, adultist. They will tell you if something is not right, right? And I I love that at Chicago Freedom School, we can foster um, a space where where even that, at moments where I might myself, it's hard to sit in my power. And for us it's modeling this is what we have to do. And young people are sitting in their power and understanding their greatness and it's so beautiful to just be a small part of that in a young person's life. You're going to
0: take a short break and when we come back, we're going to be joined by Karen Rattan, who is the president and CEO of the Public Health Institute of Metropolitan Chicago. As I mentioned at the top of this episode, in addition to all this fabulousness um, that uh, is Chicago Freedom School, uh, I am really humbled to have an award that is named in my honor. And I'm really excited that this year um, it's going to be given to Chicago Freedom School. And so when we come back after this short break, um, we're gonna hear a little bit more uh, about why Chicago Freedom School uh, Was we'll selected for this award. We'll be right back. You are listening to Gathering Ground, and we're back in a moment. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for joining me on Gathering Ground. We want to hear from you. If you have any questions about your work in nonprofits or any of the topics that we've covered here on Gathering Ground, send them on in. Send them to mary at gatheringgroundpodcast.com. That's Podcast, all one word, dot com. We look forward to hearing from you. Welcome back, everyone, uh, to another edition of Gathering Ground. And as I mentioned at the break, we're excited to have with us now Karen Ratan, who is the president and chief executive officer of the Public Health Institute of Metropolitan Chicago. And Karen, uh, welcome to Gathering Ground. Hi, thank you, Mary. I'm happy to be here. Karen, we always like to start um, our conversations with a little bit of background. How did you get to public health? I know you have a background as as certainly a lobbyist and someone who's worked a lot on legislation, and and not that that doesn't involve public health. But how did you really make this turn to being at the Public Health Institute?
3: Sure, thank you for that question. You know, my training is actually in social work, which I chose because it focuses on the intersection of health and all of what are generally referred to as the social determinants of health, the things that impact people's lives and uh, make them more likely to be healthy or less likely to be healthy. So my work in that field really began in the early nineties in HIV and AIDS, which at the time there wasn't a huge uh, governmental public health response. It was just starting at that time, but it was just a lot of community folks sort of coming together to try to combat that pandemic. And so my career in uh, youth organizing and lobbying in um, adolescent sexual health and now at PHIMC is really rooted uh, largely in the AIDS epidemic and uh, prevention of disease. And also now in more broader general health, public health work.
0: Tell us about the work of the Public Health Institute of Metropolitan Chicago and give us some sense of how you connect with communities.
3: Yeah, I'm happy to. Uh, so PHIMC, the Public Health Institute of Metropolitan Chicago, enhances the capacity of public health and healthcare systems to promote health equity and expand access to services. Just some nice fancy words that really uh, get to what we do, which is collaborating both with government public health like CDPH and nonprofit organizations like Chicago Freedom School, uh, healthcare systems like Mount Sinai or Loyola to improve public health practices and to bring public health into medical and uh, social service provision of medical care and social services. So maybe we're training physicians or providers on how to provide affirming care for all people, um, or we're training them on how to implement routine HIV screening or we are collaborating. We have a collaboration in suburban Cook County focused on reentry services for people coming out of incarceration as they transition back into the community. So we lead discussions and help think about better ways to serve that population. The home to the Illinois Safe Schools Alliance, which works to create safe space for LGBTQ youth in uh, Illinois. Um, we manage uh, two AmeriCorps programs that are focused on promoting access to care, as well as sort of training the next generation of public health leaders uh, in our AmeriCorps members. So they give a year of service, 11 months of service. They work in communities. Uh, they are housed at host sites all over the metro area. Um, they provide direct service to clients, and many of them go on to careers in public health or public health care, like working at an FQHC. So we have- The
0: qualified healthcare center.
3: Yes, thank you. Uh, So we have a broad reach and um, I think what we really care about at the Institute and the approach to our work is really one of looking at equity and inequity and how uh, systematized uh, oppression and discrimination create conditions where people are unhealthy. You know, really, um, for us, it's sort of from the pump handle to COVID. All of the work that we do is grounded in equity, um, and so at the at the heart of almost every public health issue is this question. Wonderful. Thank you so much. So,
0: I should also say, which I don't think I disclosed at the beginning of the recording, that I am a board member for the Public Health Institute of Metropolitan Chicago, and um, when. Karen and I started working together, it was primarily around the uh, merger from the Illinois Safe Schools Alliance to become a program of the Institute. And I was uh, floored, I would say in January of 2020 uh, when we had our our marriage ceremony, if you will, um, that um, I was presented with the Mary F. Morton Award for Justice. Um, And I'm just, Curious, of course, why you thought that was important uh, as we lead into our conversation with Chicago Freedom School receiving that award this year.
3: Sure. Um, you know, for us, creating an award for justice for the Institute is an opportunity really to elevate the fight for social and health justice and equity. Um, it's a reminder to us and to our partners that this is at the root of our work that we do on a daily basis. Um, And it it doesn't let us ever forget um, the root causes. So if we're doing an HIV prevention program where we're helping make access to sterile syringes available to people who inject drugs, um, it's not that the drugs are not the issue. The syringes are the the mode of transmission is a syringe, but the issue is really what it happened to that person to make them vulnerable to addiction. And so that for us that's the fight for justice. You know, and it was inspired Mary by your work, your tireless work for justice, for people of color, for LGBTQ youth and adults. Um, And now as a member of our board uh, in the fight for health justice, you know, which really isn't that different than all the rest of the justice fights. Um, It's all one big effort.
0: Yeah, well, I appreciate that very much. Thank you. Tony, what was your reaction to hearing that um, Chicago Freedom School was gonna be receiving this award and that you'll be the one who actually receives it on behalf of the organization.
1: Yes, I mean, one, it was, um, you know, as the new executive director at Chicago Freedom School, I've been here for um, a year and a half, um, but have been a part of the organization since 2012. I And even prior to that, that I've just been able to see the, the beauty and the power of the young people that we work with. And for me, um, oftentimes as a youth worker and working in a youth organizations, we go unnoticed. And for, you know, for the Institute to just, to offer this, you know, gift to Chicago Freedom School is to be seen. And for us, it's just a time for also us to, to just sit and, and, and receive the blessings and the honor. Of being recognized and especially being connected to, you know, as someone uh, who's known Mary Martin for years and has seen her her service and her dedication to community, um, and to doing the right thing. That for us, it also is just um, it makes sense, and I we see the like the mirror, and we're just so grateful to be to be honored, and again to be seen, and also just uh, to be celebrated. We are especially this past two years, has been a lot for us at Chicago Freedom School. And to have a moment where we can uh, celebrate our work um, and have other people uplift us is such a, s- such a gift.
2: I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more with what Tony shared. As a, an active part of the Freedom School community is such an honor to see that the ideas, the interests, the passion of young people, when it comes to reproductive health, when it comes to supporting their safe space and body image, when it comes to making sure that they understand safety planning and harm reduction practices, um, when it comes to supporting trauma-informed learning, um, the Freedom School has been doing this work for many years, learning this work with youth for many years. And it's so, such an honor to be recognized for it. So I think it's a wonderful thing. And I couldn't agree more with Tony in saying that this is a very apt award because Mary is the bomb. Hey!
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. You. I appreciate
0: that. Yeah. So as we, and, and, and of course, listening to you, Karen, and, and listening to Tony and Keisha talk about the work, there's perfect synergy here. What was in your mind, you know, as we started to, you know, roll around some ideas about, about the award?
3: Yeah, so I think for us um, at the Institute, we have a strong commitment to adolescent health through our School Health Access Collaborative, through the Alliance programming. And we were deeply uh, moved last summer during the protest downtown on Michigan Avenue when the bridges were raised and people were sort of clumped in to the Magnificent Mile and the Freedom School opened its doors to its young advocates and took them in and helped them find a little bit of uh peace in the moment of that craziness and a little place of safety and they were not rewarded for that they were sort of persecuted for that by the police I I I think someone was arrested, but I honestly can't remember now, but there were, it wasn't appreciated by sort of the powers that be. They had threats and uh, that's not cool. It's not cool. People down there trying to uh, let their voices be heard, young people down there trying to make the world a better place. And we were deeply moved by that. Um, and, And when we started talking about this award, it was the only place that we wanted to, that we really thought of.
0: Absolutely, um, I I couldn't agree with you more, Karen. Um, Chicago Freedom School has just really uh, taken this particular place, I think, in the landscape yeah. of organizations that work with young people, and and part of that, you know, is for many of the things that you, uh, Keisha and, and Tony have talked about. That it is a, it is unique in that it is really a co-creation, right, with young people and adults. And that is absolutely rare. And we wanna celebrate that. We wanna honor that. We wanna encourage that. Uh, And we certainly hope that this award helps shine a light on what you've been doing and and how valuable and how important it is. And so we wanna give you a little bit of particulars about the event um, because we'd love for you to tune in. It's a virtual event on Sunday, November 7th. Um, And you will have a chance to, you know, play some really cool trivia games, um, you'll hear directly from Tony um, as he receives the award. What else should people look forward to, Karen?
3: So it's a BYO brunch. That's and it. so you can bring your own. We have a list, a curated list of restaurants that we're promoting that are mostly owned by people of color, LGBTQ restaurants across the city, north, south, west. Um, so you can order brunch or make your own. You can submit a picture of your beautiful table and win a little prize. Um, I believe Mary Morton will speak, which is certainly uh draw and will I'll be exciting that. to hear. And um, I'm trying to know, win, the, you know, Karen, <laughs> I'm trying to win that table contest, which I
0: entered last year and didn't even get an honorable mention. I'm not bitter about that, though. Maybe. Um, I just
3: wanted to mention that. that. I will keep that in mind. I didn't judge, but come on, I'll, I'll make sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and, you know, Tony, I really love that you use the word celebrate, because that's what we think of this award. It's a celebration of your work, and it's an opportunity for the Institute to elevate your work. And so I hope people come to the brunch and you know support work at the Institute, but also get to know uh, the Freedom School better or for the first time, and then think about how you can support their work as well. Wonderful.
0: So we're gonna close. And I just wanna ask uh, Tony and, and Keisha, as we think about the future and, and uh, the work of the Chicago Freedom School in particular, what can we all do to support young people right now? What are some things that we can do as we continue to lift up uh, the voices of young people?
2: In my opinion, we as adults need to continue to listen with an open heart and open ears and be able and ready to act in the ways that young people need us to act. Sometimes for me, that looks like as an active member of my block club, making sure all the babies on the block club have um, a healthy snack and I talk to them about wearing their masks in the playground. Um, it looks very different at the Freedom School now. And I'm excited to be a part of the community because in the future, I want I plan to continue to support the um, evaluation team here at Chicago Freedom School, our youth help to design um, and analyze the data from programs. And it's just one more way that young people um, help to tell their powerful stories and experiences and help to make their programs better. And I know we're also uh, moving into our 15th year. And so our young people and uh, Tony is going to talk more about some of the awesome activities that have been planned.
1: So s- 15 years since our uh, founder, Mary McCabe brought in a group of folks, including Keisha, to envision, uh, and young people, to envision what Chicago Freedom School would be. Uh, so we're excited for folks to, again, con- come celebrate with us and in community. We uh, were fortunate enough to uh, build with and uh, meet the new uh, donors and funders. So we want them to, one, um, also just celebrate with us and honor the work of the 15 years of Chicago Freedom School. So during the summer, we'll have events for young people uh, to um, celebrate our work. Of course, we're going to be doing different public programming throughout the year. We're going to let you in into some intergenerational conversations to be able to learn um, and listen to um, our seasoned or elder organizers Um, meet and build with young organizers of course we're going to have our moments of justice our annual fundraiser so come uh, party with us I will say we work hard and we play hard as well Uh, But there are other ways for you to uh, stay involved. One, um, check out our website at ChicagoFreedomSchool.org or look at our social medias, Chai Free School on Instagram and Twitter or Chicago Freedom School on Facebook and get to see our faces, learn about our work. Um, And if you're compelled to, uh, think about joining us, right? We have volunteer opportunities for uh, comrades, um, for co-conspirators and for adult allies. We have opportunities to join our board. Chicago Freedom School is scaling up and we need your expertise in fundraising. We need your expertise in communication strategy. Um, And if you uh, are rooted in black liberation, organizing work in um, youth development um, and building positive youth relationships with young people, we want you on our board. Um, And of course, as Keisha mentioned earlier, we do have uh, Cash App, thanks to young people, we have Cash App, we have PayPal, Um, but we've been so blessed um, that um, on December 10th, we'll be launching a small video just sharing the heart of our work so you can um, listen from young people what Chicago Freedom School has meant to them. Um, And if that compels you to continue to support our work, we have ways for you to get involved. And if Chicago is not your home, uh, there's other organizations that you can look into doing radical youth work. There's Together for Brothers in uh, New Mexico doing amazing work and organizing. There's Youth United uh, for Philly. Doing some dope work, so check out all the amazing work that young people are doing to change our community for the better.
0: Wonderful, thank you so much, and and Karen, I know we want to just mention that uh, the brunch is from eleven to twelve thirty on November seventh. It yeah. is, it is, it is. Um, a, a, I think a very nicely paced event, right? It's 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 not all day. Um, no. There's a lot of fun activities that we'll be doing. Um, uh, you know, virtually. And of course you'll have a chance to hear from Tony as he receives the award on behalf of Chicago Freedom School. Again, the event is uh, November 7th from 11 to 1230. The tickets are really reasonable. You're not gonna find another special event for $50 and $75. um, And uh, we encourage you to come uh, check out the work of the the Institute because we'll be talking a little bit more about that. And you can go to phimc.org for more information. Um, this has been wonderful to have you all together in, in one space and to hear about the very important work that um, all of our organizations are doing. I am uh, deeply honored to have had this opportunity. And um, I just have a few, few reminders that I want to leave our listeners with before we close out today. Um, we want to remind you that, of course, you should rate, review and subscribe to Gathering Ground on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast. And don't forget to, forget to send us any questions you have about the nonprofit or philanthropic sectors, racial equity, access, diversity, and inclusion. You can send those to Mary at gatheringgroundpodcast.com. And don't forget to just check out our website. We always are opening up new searches um, and that's at mortongroup.com. We also have a ton of resources on our website around racial equity work that we'd love for you to take advantage of. So. Again, it's been wonderful speaking with all of you. And thank you so much for all that you do every day to make
3: the world a better place. I'm Mary Morton. Until next time.